Uh, hey. <laughs> I feel like this is like a haven type situation. Uh, sorry, guys. It's been a long time. So, if you've been a loyal listener, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your continued support on social media, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. If you're new here, this is your first episode. Welcome. It's been a while since I have recorded a podcast episode, and there are a lot of reasons why. Well, really, just a couple main reasons, but I'll explain those to you. So, For one, um, in December, I brought into my home a beautiful and wonderful 13-year-old, and it's a foster care type situation. Um, I may do an episode later about that whole process and what's going on, but there are a lot of things that are kind of unknown at this particular point in time. I also want to make sure that I'm protecting everyone's privacy in the situation as much as I possibly can and just respecting everyone who this affects because it's not just me and so I don't know we'll see I will kind of include snippets of not snippets necessarily because that sounds like soundbite type things but I will include parts of my experience in episodes to come just because I feel like that will help you all connect to the content a little bit better. And so, and I think that's beneficial. So I will do that. But as far as the whole process and how it started, what happened and all of that, I don't know. I've shared a little bit on Instagram, Facebook, uh, you know, bits and pieces. But as far as breaking down the entire story, I just feel like, Unless she wants to do the episode with me and we do that together, I don't necessarily know until we kind of talk about that. Um, So I don't know if that will happen. But basically with that, you know, and even though she's an amazing human being, um, with trauma, with foster care, things like that, if you know anything about that process, it's a lot. Um, and then bring your child into your home that has even been through that. They need lots and lots and lots of attention and reassurance and things like that. And so that's really where the majority of my focus has been over this period of time. Um, I will say some of it has also been spending time in the business and just growing notes by Kaya and focusing on other parts. We had healing the black woman year two which was amazing uh, we did it virtually and it was a hit so that was great um preparing for next year's event trying to decide like exactly what I want that to look like and then other things you know I did my course for the first time and I'm actually preparing to do that again so I want you to make sure that you're staying connected with me so that you get that opportunity to get into that because really it's more than a course it's like group coaching is really what it's transformed into and so I'm super super excited about 
launching that again and that is coming in the next few weeks so um on top of all of that so let me rewind a little bit yes my child came into my home in december um foster care dhs they're awful dhs cps department of human services child protection services whatever they call it in your state um i know some amazing people that work for those agencies and so i know that not all of the workers are terrible however their system is not set up for the success of black families it really is set up to tear up black families and to make white families look like angels of god right and so I may do an episode on that in particular and issues that I've seen because I am sure that there are more of you out there listening that that system has impacted you in a certain way. And so I want it to not just be a bashing session. I want to be able to come to you and bring you tips, tools, tricks, all of that stuff to help you manage that process but I am still learning myself. So even though I am a social worker and not a caseworker, hello, let's get that straight. Um, there is a difference. But even though I am a social service provider, it is very different being on the other side. I already knew what to look for. I kind of knew like what to expect. So I was definitely on their ass all the time, but they didn't like that. They didn't like that. I was making them work, but that's the story for another day. Um, also, yes, I haven't had an episode since before December. So it's like, girl, okay. That's not the only excuse. I really had this bomb ass episode recorded for y'all. Um, (laughs) but technology complete fail. Um, I had to get a whole new extra like hard drive because it just went kaput and I lost it. I really, in these episodes, don't take a lot of notes and stuff except for when I'm doing an interview. And I have done interviews. (laughs) They just haven't been posted because the audio sucked. So I really have to figure out how to do that and make it clear and All of that stuff for you all because I always want to put out the absolute best that I can. And so, you know, coming from the top of the dome and losing a full episode. First of all, I was distraught. Like I was so upset because it really was a great episode. I think you all would have really enjoyed it. But then when I tried to go re-record it, you know, when you come off the top of the dome with something, when you try to recreate that exactly how it was, it just doesn't happen like that. And so that's kind of what happened. I was frustrated. It still wasn't happening the way I needed it to. And so I was like, well, all right, guess we're not starting back there. So, um, yeah, just a lot of different issues like that um as far as technology and stuff and so whatever we're back so if you're new hey my name is Kaya this is Notes by Kaya the podcast and I am a licensed social worker licensed 
social worker different than a caseworker. I just want to point that out. And I am a therapist, a school social worker, and a mental health coach, mainly focusing on supporting parents in raising mentally healthy children. And basically what that means is I come in and I talk to the parent and the child and I help you all to get back where you need to be or get to where you need to be, even if you started off whether you start off great and then at some point it kind of broke off or if you never really had a great relationship and you've always kind of struggled, I am here to help be the mediator in that situation and give you tools to help manage behaviors and different things like that. So that's what I do. If you want to know more, my website is nospakaya.com and you can always like shoot me an email or something like that if you would like to talk about my services. Um, but anyway, let's hop right in. I talk a lot about mindful parenting, but I understand that not everyone, when they hear the term, understand, number one, what it is. Number two, the impact that mindful parenting can have as well as the impact that not being a mindful parent can have as well. And this episode was inspired by a conversation I had earlier this week. And yeah, (laughs) I think this will kind of give you a little bit more of an understanding and I'm going to share my personal story and how that has impacted my life by having parents that were not really mindful in their parenting. Um, I've talked a little bit about my childhood and how I grew up and stuff like that in other episodes, but this will be a little bit more specific, I guess, kind of whatever. So basically what happened is I was having a conversation with this person and this person, I hate having parenting conversations with this person for several different reasons. And it's to the point where I'm like, yo, we're not having this conversation anymore. Um, As much as I love to educate people and give them a different view when it comes to parenting, when people are not ready to hear that, it can be very draining. And this person, like, it's a whole thing. So basically... We were talking about parenting and how our parenting styles are different. And this person says, I like the way that your parents raised you. I'm like, hold on. This is a problem for a couple different reasons. Number one, you weren't there when I was being parented. So you have no idea the way that they parented me. Number two, what you're seeing and what you say that you like is... A, because I've already been using numbers, you know, A, what I show you, you're seeing the end result, but only the end result of, you know, that I show to the world. Now, this person, we are pretty close. And so they have seen some of those other parts that I'm going to talk to you about today, but they don't see all of it. 
I keep a lot of it inside and covered up or, you know, whatever. And only I know, and my therapist know that this came from the way that I was parented. And even though some of it may seem positive, the way that I got there and the way that it still impacts me today, not so positive. So, um, prime example is people see me as independent, typically well put together, um, that I have two degrees, that I am building my own business, those kinds of things, and that I'm about my shit, right? That's what people are supposed to see. However, if we take this back, um, I have technically been working since the age of 12. I have always been very independent and self-sufficient, right? Um, and I believe that my parents would agree with that, that even as a very young child, I didn't really need like a lot of attention. I didn't really need someone standing over me. I didn't need to play with anybody else. I'm the oldest of four children and I was good by myself. I still am. So, um, but when I started working at 12, number one, it was kind of fun because I love to babysit. That, that was my first job. But then at 15, I got a worker's permit and I started working a real job and like one that gives me a little paycheck where you don't get paid. Like, Hey, you babysat my kids for a couple hours. Here's a few dollars. The end but like legit paycheck. And part of that, yes, was because I was independent. I do like working, which sounds weird, but um, for the most part, I like working. But what other people don't see as part of that is I also felt like I had to work at 15. Now, I will tell you that my parents will disagree with this. 100% like hands down they're like no you didn't have to work that was your choice no I felt like I had to work and here's why number one I felt like I couldn't really ask my parents for money my parents were not the kind of parents that we got new clothes new shoes new things period like throughout the year it was birthday Christmas and then my grandma bought our school clothes every year And so there wasn't a lot of new things coming in. It wasn't like, hey, this weekend we're going to go shopping and we're going to get you some new things. That really didn't happen. Um, I can remember when we were super little, my dad would like randomly bring different clothes and stuff like that. Typically we hated them because it was like boyish type shit, like FUBU jerseys. And I'm like... Do you know how girly I am? Because this ain't it, homie. So, um, yeah. But other than that, really, there was no throughout the year. We're just buying new things. So then when I start going out with my friends and I want to buy new things or do things with my friends, who's paying for that shit? Now, I won't say that they never, ever, ever gave me money to go hang out with my friends or whatever. If I asked, Sometimes they would do it. Um, Typically, it came with a list of 21 questions and the most difficult thing 
So not only did that make me not want to ask, I wanted to be able to go and be like, hey, my friends are going here. I want to go. I got money. Can I go? The answer should be yes. Um, (laughs) And so that played a huge role in the fact that I've worked since I was 15. And also, then once I got to high school, we were able to leave campus for lunch. Well, my parents didn't really want us to leave for lunch. I did anyway. But they weren't going to give me extra money to go to Sonic or wherever we were going for lunch because they didn't want me going anyway. Well, I was going to go. So I'm going to work so that I can go and I can spend my own money on whatever foods and stuff we're getting, period. So that's kind of how that happened. Now, other examples, my anxiety. I tried to explain this to this person in this conversation that a lot of times anxiety, depression, those kinds of diagnoses, they are developed because of the way that you were raised. And there are a lot of people who don't understand mental health and things like that that might disagree. But there is a reason why you see on TV and stuff the way that they portray therapists, um, psychiatrists, things like that. While most of it is made up and completely false and stupid, you know, whatever. But there's a reason why we go back to our childhood because that is our foundation. It is how we learn to function in the world. So, for example, I just had the other day um, a text come in and To me, now I am a grown ass woman, okay? I pay my own bills, I live in my own place, all of this, but I still have moments where with certain people, not even just with certain people, but I feel like I'm getting in trouble and it brings about debilitating anxiety. When they are, and this wasn't even a criticism type situation, It was, hey, we had, because, you know, DHS is going to be involved in my life for a long time. DHS called, we answered these questions, da, 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 da. And when I tell you it made my heart drop and my anxiety would not stop until I took meds, that is part of my childhood. And I'll bring that back in just a second. So I've had the same issue at work with supervisors is a lot of times, especially with white supervisors, I would get super defensive and I hate this because basically what I end up doing is start crying and I don't like that Um, because I feel like, girl, you are a grown ass woman. Yes, they can fire you. Yes, they can do this. But for the most part, like what can they really do? They're not about to get out a belt and whoop you. But that's what was happening in my childhood. So naturally, that's the way that my body responds, right? The way that my mind responds. It is horrible. I hate it because not only, especially with white supervisors, um, the defensiveness is always going to come first because I am always feeling like I have to defend myself. I didn't feel in my childhood, I really had people that backed me up. 
adults that back me up. Um, I feel like they were always against me and maybe that's the wrong choice of words, but like when things would happen at school, teachers would call my parents. I got in trouble a lot in elementary and they would never really listen to my side of the story. My, what I had to say did not matter. Your teacher should not be calling me period, unless they're calling to tell me that you did a wonderful job. That's it. Good reports only. So now as an adult, that punishment type of mentality is still in me and still affects me a lot. Um, I don't think I really realized how much until I had a black supervisor. Shout out to Shakira. She was amazing because we were able to have a conversation where I was like, hey, this is something that I've started to notice. I know where it comes from. It comes from childhood. But this is what I need from you as a supervisor so that I can thrive and we can continue to have a good relationship. And she was like, bet, I got you. And she did exactly what she said she was going to do. And Shakira, if you're listening, like, I will always, always, always appreciate the supervisor that you were to me. Um, because that was something I didn't have before. Now, I will say I had one white supervisor. We were just cool um, Emily, hey girl. Um, I don't know if she listens to this or not, but we were just cool, so we had a great relationship. So we really didn't have too many times where we had to have those kinds of tough conversations. Um, but it was when I had Shakira as a supervisor that I was really able to go in and say, Listen, my childhood, the way that I was raised affects me a lot in the workplace and with it being a very toxic kind of workplace anyway didn't make it any better um but it was always like I couldn't do anything right and that is the same way that I felt growing up is that everything I did was wrong I was constantly being compared to my sisters um in a negative way and that affects you as you get older and even though it might not be okay I don't feel like I'm being compared to my sisters anymore but those the impact of that still stays with you and it has for a very long time so when supervisors might come and be like hey Kai you messed up on this paper and they're just coming to help me fix it I'm immediately defensive and like on guard. And typically, especially when you have supervisors that don't really care to get to know you as a person and your background and things like that, um, that can be very hard um, and taxing on me as a person, I'll say. Um, So yes, I seem successful, but There were many, many, many days at work where I was barely functioning or whatever, and it just caused all these different issues. My depression. My depression started very young. My first suicide attempt was at age 12. Um, 
And I will say my depression, what I can directly link to my depression is, again, being compared to my sisters and feeling like I would never be good enough. That no matter what I did, no matter what I said, it just wasn't going to be enough. And that felt awful. I didn't feel loved. I didn't feel heard. I didn't feel seen. I didn't feel protected. And so all of these things lead to having depression and those kinds of things. And without therapy, those things don't just go away. They continue and they just may take different shapes and forms in your life, but it still goes back to the same thing. And now that I am in therapy and attend faithfully, honey, um, it's crazy because a lot of what I experienced goes back to not feeling seen, not feeling heard. And it's insane because it, that is also linked to my anxiety and my anxiety and depression. Sometimes they can look like each other. Um, but it all goes back to the exact same reason for the most part. And so hearing that, like, oh, I love the way the parent that your parents raised you. You don't know what it was like to be yelled at for the most minute things. Like, I don't know. It was awful. Like, I really don't even want to go back And think about a lot of the things that happened or the way that I felt in a lot of those situations because it's painful to remember. And it just, I'm like, dude, you weren't there. You weren't there. And I don't want to always come off as like bashing my parents, right? And I will say it was one parent more so than the other. But it has an effect still today in the way that I deal with people and relationships. And I'll give this example. Um, And I think I shared this on my Instagram a few weeks ago, that it's crazy that I felt very much compared to my siblings, but they have their own issues because of the way we were parented. They were parented and we were all parented differently. But also it was still the same parent. So those same characteristics were still present, right? So what I discovered in having a conversation with uh, my middle sister, Cami, is we have issues with people asking us questions. And here's why. Because typically when our parents would ask us questions, and my dad in particular He was looked like if the answer wasn't correct or what he wanted and in the way he wanted to hear it, there was an explosion. His anger was really bad. Like his temper was horrible. And so now (laughs) people ask me questions. I get defensive. Even somebody can text me and say, hey, where are you? Why? Why do you want to know? Are you watching me? Are you around the corner? Are you trying to trap me? Is this a setup? Is this a trick question? Like, I kid you not, and I'm not exaggerating. 
like I won't say every single time that I'm asked a question, but when people ask certain questions, my heart instantly drops and my anxiety goes up. Um, When they start asking too many questions, I shut down. Even with my therapist, um, there have been times where I was having a depressive or anxious episode and I really needed to talk to my therapist, but I couldn't because... A lot of time, not a lot of times, but sometimes she asked a lot of questions and we had to have this conversation um, and I had to let her know, hey, when you ask me certain questions, my anxiety shoots through the roof or when you ask too many, because I feel like I have to have the right answer for you and that it's not okay for me to say I don't know the right answer. And I've also learned that that has impacted me in business as well because um so working with my business coach sometimes she'll ask me certain questions and I'm like oh god and I freeze because I feel like I have to have the right answer now this person is here to teach me right but I still feel like I have to know the right answer Or I'm like going to get in trouble or that there's going to be some kind of consequence waiting on the other end. There is not one. If I don't know the answer, she's going to tell me the answer or she's going to help me figure it out. Just like with my therapist, but it causes anxiety. And that has been a major limitation in nose by Kaya growing and me growing as a person, as an individual, because those things still show up. So how does this relate to mindful parenting? Because when you are not parenting mindfully, these are the kinds of things that can happen. Now, understand there are going to be mistakes that you make, right? You are not going to be mindful all the time. And trust me, even in just six months of being a parent, I have not always been a mindful parent. Sometimes it the situation gets the best of you. And I'm going to talk next time about um, how our, the way we were parented affects the way we parent. That's, that is a whole, a completely different episode. But um, it's not easy all the time, especially when you didn't see that, um, to think mindfulness first. I mean, I've made a lot of mistakes in the past six months. I know that I have. But one thing that I do try to do is go back and apologize and say, you know what? I really didn't handle that that well. Let me fix this or I am going to continue to work on this. And that was another thing that really gets to me as well is apologies because I was basically forced to give apologies that I didn't feel like I needed to give, but it was used against me. So for instance, um, if my dad was upset with something that I did, the way that I spoke to him, the way something happened, or it could have been really anything to be honest. Um, like we exchanged words. 
Um, and my dad and I were a lot alike and anyone who actually knows me close and personally, they're gonna be like, oh my God, Kaya really let that come out of her mouth. Yes. I have to acknowledge that in order to fix those certain things that I don't like that are inside of me. So we bumped heads a lot, a whole lot. Um, however, when we would bump heads, he might have been the one in the wrong. He was the one yelling at me or whatever. But I can remember specifically, I don't even remember what the argument was, but I know that he was waiting on an apology and neither one of us talked to each other for weeks. And so he quit giving me my lunch money. And basically I had to go and apologize for this situation so I could get my lunch money. And then it was, oh, you didn't talk to me unless you like the only time that you talked to me was to get your lunch money. Well, yes, I was pissed off at you because of what you did in this situation. It was hurtful. But rather than you coming and fixing it, you just let it linger. So those kinds of things happened all of the time and it was used against me. And so even to go out with my friends, if there was something that happened between me and my dad and there had been no apology, oh, I already knew I couldn't go. So basically, if I wanted to go hang out with my friends, which typically every Sunday, like I was with some of my friends every Sunday. And so I would have to quote unquote, fix it, go apologize to him, stroke his little ego so that I could do what I wanted to do. And that wasn't right because there were definitely times where he was in the wrong. Um, and it was, most of the time was like over dumb little shit, but that still affects me today as a grown ass woman. And so, um, I try to use it in a positive way in apologizing when I know that I am wrong, but there are times where I've been in a relationship where I'm apologizing because I'm upset that you did me wrong. What? No, that is not how life works. That is not how this is supposed to go. Um, so It's hard. It's tough. And this is why I am so, yes, I care a lot about children's mental health, period. But this is really where it started is I don't feel like my mental health was considered, which also I will say that during that time was still black people don't deal with mental health or don't deal with mental illness and things like that. Black people don't commit suicide. Black people don't have depression. Black people don't go to therapy. Like, and my parents literally said that to me. Like, I don't know why I remember that so strongly. I think because when they said it, or I think it was my dad that said it. Yeah. I can remember which house we were in and everything. Um, and that the fact that I was like in the living room, we were watching TV 
there was somebody on TV and they were talking about suicide or whatever. I don't even remember who it was. And he was like, oh, black people don't deal with that. And I remember being like, but I'm depressed. I'm suicidal. And of course, they had no idea at the time. But I was like, but what does that mean about me? And it just didn't make sense to me, even from a young age. And so that has always stuck with me. So I will say that they really didn't know to care about my mental health. It was very much like kids don't deal with stress. What do you have to be stressing about? Or how can you have depression for what? Um, And so that is why I am so, so passionate about doing this and doing this work and being committed to it and teaching parents like, hey, your kid has feelings too. And you are molding and shaping this individual. And it is about more than just this one little moment that you're upset with them or that they did something wrong or whatever it is. And the way that you respond is going to impact them for a long time. Like, I know that my parents are tired of me bringing up certain things from my childhood, but I'm like, but it still affects me today. And so for the parents listening, like, if you have adult children or even teenage or whatever, and they come to you and they say, the way that you handled this hurt me. Listen, I understand, particularly being a parent myself now, I understand that is very hard to hear and it hits your pride like a ton of bricks, but you have to suck that up and take yourself out of it and think, you know what, even though I don't see why that affected you so much or why you're still holding on to that, you were the one affected by it, not me, right? I'm being affected by you bringing it to me because you're pointing out my flaws. That's a natural reaction. It's when someone points out your flaws, you're not like, oh my God, thank you so much. It's not a compliment. But you have to take a step back and think, you know what? You might be right. You are right. And I'm sorry that that hurt you the way that it did. Um... My parents get so mad, like, and it's really held me back in notes by Kaya a lot because I'm like, "Mm." talking about how my parents were and so many people like knowing my parents and things like that. It's tough, but I need the truth to be out. And it's my truth. It's what I lived. It's what I'm still living. And I believe even as hurtful as a lot of things were, I went through it to help you all. And so by me not talking about those specific situations and I try to give like disclaimers and things like that. And I try not to be like just bashing them all the time. But the truth is the way I was parented has impacted me a ton. And yes, there were great things they did do great and amazing things and sometimes they did make the right choices they did handle things the right way but sometimes they didn't a lot of times they didn't and I don't want to see other parents making the same mistakes or helping them to make better choices moving forward because 
depression, anxiety, that shit's real. And it's hard. And it affects so much. So even though a person might look put together on the outside, sometimes they do so well because of the negative. But that doesn't make the negative any less impactful. And that's what I want you to remember. This episode's getting super long, so we're going to go ahead and shut it down. Be sure to share this episode. And um, I have a special announcement. So I'm going to be doing a free webinar next Tuesday, July 13th. And it is going to be unlocking mindful parenting. So I've shared a bit with you about my experiences and what happened when I was not mindfully parented. And so I want to show you examples of what you can do to make sure that your kids don't grow up with some of the same different issues and how you can correct things from now forward. Because sometimes parents feel like, oh, it's too late, but it's not. You can always make that shift and that change. So I want you to click the link in the description to sign up for the webinar. Again, it is free. So this is free information that I want to share with you. Please be sure to share this episode, this podcast. I appreciate you for being here and listening and I will talk to you next time. Bye.